any good stories from the road. Or pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. Rat poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Welcome to the Georgia Show. Uh, pack show tonight. Uh, spring practice uh, lives on, drives on, Final Four. Um, I can't. I can honestly say I haven't paid a, a moment's attention to the Final Four, Palmer. I, I don't know about you. Um, and uh, we're going to get into dog stocks tonight, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, let's get into spring practice, though, here real quick. And, uh, you know, Georgia is now done with week two. It's six practices in the books. What do you think so far? Mm, six practices. And it really feels like it's been um, – that that's flown by. I was writing something that, that Georgia's a third, over a third of the way through now with their spring drills, and I was like, man, it feels like that just started. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of how spring goes where you get started quickly and, and you, you know, it, it wraps up in just over a month. They started on March 14th. They're going to end on April 15th. Um, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but you know, the linebacker crew, um, that, that's, that's one of the topics that we're going to talk about tonight. And I wrote about it. You wrote about it. Um, smile Munden talked about it. Um, that's, that's a crew that I think that you look at and they are really, really, really talented. Um, so that's, that's one thing that stood out to me so far. Uh, and and throw in you know not just the inside linebackers but the outside linebackers too. Um, yeah, we we talked about those guys uh, last time we were on here um, on on Wednesday. But Chidera Uzo Deribe has that group rolling, recruiting wise. He, he's you know the the three early enrollees are there. Um, you know you got two early enrollees with the inside linebackers. Um, you know you, you've got a really talented core group that's returning. With smile that you can see here, Jamon Dumas Johnson, Ryan Davis, Chaz Chambliss, those guys all played uh, very important roles for Georgia last year. And, and I think that on top of those guys, you're going to have really talented freshmen. And that group, those groups are set up to be really good for a really long time. Can you all hear me now? Yeah, we can. You sound awesome, too. I, I wanted to fit this in here real quick. Uh you know, I know, you know, Smile Money at the end of the season is Georgia's leading tackler, but post injury that he had, that he suffered at Missouri, I think he missed the Auburn game. Man, I tell you what, I don't know once he got healthy that there was a better linebacker in the country. I mean, Jamon Dumas Johnson, I believe, was in the running for the Buckus Award, but yeah. Smile Munden was a number one best Georgia linebacker um, the last part of last season. I'm really excited to see how good he can be this year. Uh, Honestly, I don't know if y'all get the same impression. He doesn't look like a linebacker. He's I was so just about to say that, man. When you go in and like talk to him after a game or talk to him on a game week as he goes into the uh, media room, he looks like he's more of a like a tight end, maybe. I mean, he's kind of a tweener for a for a linebacker, maybe an edge guy, if anything. But he does not have that typical linebacker frame about him. Yeah, he's, he's he's a thin guy. He's long, but he can do some things for you off the edge too. It's it's really kind of strange how the way he plays. But I, I I would be shocked if he weighed any more than two twenty five at most. 
Well, and it's it's freakish athleticism for that position. I mean, we saw what what a guy like Channing Tindall could do, and and different build here um, with, with Smile. But you know that season that Channing had in 2021 as, as a senior, uh, that's that's what I think Smile Munden is capable of, and more. I mean, just the ability to fly all over the field. And Jake, I, I think you're absolutely right that. Smile Munden was the best, one of, if not the best linebackers in the country the second half of the season. I mean, just every week, you know, as I was doing my rest, uh, you know, rest and react stuff, uh, you know, just was like, okay, hey, let's look at the defensive side of the football. Who led the team in tackles? Smile Munden. Smile Munden. And he was slowly but surely. Jamon Dumas Johnson was really good early on. And Smile got hurt. That didn't help, and he slowly but surely just kept creeping, creeping, creeping back into the discussion uh, for the team leading tackles, and ultimately takes it and pretty by a pretty sizable margin too. Uh, I can't lie, I, got, I caught a little Michael Keaton from the other guys there. Uh, whenever you started talking about creeping, all the uh, TLC references in that book, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, that's a that's a favorite of mine and Palmer's on the road. When we hit the road, uh, we've watched it a couple times. We always talk about the other guys, but uh, yeah, I mean, he again. It, to me, it's it's yeah, he was awesome down the stretch, but it just I don't know. He looks like a hybrid defensive back and big safety. Um, it, it's really strange. And then, you know, you looked and he had that deflection interception and, and he had some tackles for a loss where you're like, oh man, there's number two again. Um, there was a, I, I want to say it was right there in that LSU game. Maybe it was the peach bowl where, uh, I honestly, man, it was, it was one of those things where, um, I feel like he made like five or six tackles in like five or six plays. I mean, it was just like number two, number two, number two, uh, all over the field. And, um, you know, he was a five-star prospect coming out, but he really did kind of start living up to expectations. Like I said, I'm really excited to see him. And another thing that we brought up and we talked about was was Raylan Wilson and C.J. Allen. Um, I know I've said this before, but Wes, I'll be honest, man, I have never, ever, ever started hearing about guys – like 24 hours after they arrive on campus, and then I still haven't stopped. It still hasn't slowed down. Yeah, well, I, I mean, speaking of smile, uh, we heard from him earlier this week, and he's gone on and on about Wilson and C.J. Allen. And for a veteran like that to see guys and recognize them and give them a shout-out, you know, you really have to be showing something for a, a dude like Munden to be – hyping you up like that yeah and you could tell palmer i i I wasn't there and i I did not watch the video um but it was reading the comments it seemed like he wanted to kind of heap some praise on those guys and then he was like "Er, i gotta praise everybody coaches tell me not to let anybody out yeah yeah a little bit of that it was you know yeah raylan and cj and and really all these guys you know that that kind of a comment um you know that, that it was not i think there's there's some truth to that that it's probably not just the two uh early enrollee linebackers that that are doing well um it's it's up and down the field but those are two really talented guys and like you said cj allen is, is somebody that we've been hearing about for a while the fact that um you know i mean jake you've been covering this team longer than i have have you ever heard kirby call out a uh you know uh, call call out an early enrollee 
uh, th- through the bowl process and without maybe without being specifically asked about them. I mean, the fact yeah. that he pointed hit pointed CJ Allen out on that stage after the national championship game and you know everyone that was there he he put them on CJ Allen alert. Yeah, I'm not really not on that stage. I mean, you've you've heard him kind of bring up. Yeah, we've had a few mid years start practicing with us. You know, we can tell they're going to be good football players, that type of thing. But never getting too specific like that. And on top of that, um, the the podcast and I'm 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 blanking on the name with Rylan Gody and and uh, and Tate Ratledge. Um, they're real talk. They're real talk. Yeah, right. Podcast. Real talk. They on their podcast they did a show post national championship where they, they talked about, you know, kind of these this guy and that guy. C.J. Allen came up pretty quick. Um, he was a guy that, that really impressed them during bowl prep and, and apparently was kind of, a, kind of a little bit of a pain in the ass there for them a little bit because he was so good um, and, and probably caused some problems for him. Uh, but, you know, listen, man, Glenn Schumann, you know, in Glenn you trust as far as evaluating and recruiting that position. He gets who he wants. Um, and and the guys he wants are typically really good football players. Um, you know, I, I I mean I got a feeling if Tresman Marshall stays healthy, he's going to play a ton of snaps for Alabama this year. And I don't know that he wasn't going to get phased out at Georgia this year, despite being a really good football player. How much of that is the uh, is the development factor as well? I mean, I know these guys are coming in obviously with a ton of talent if they're getting shouted out uh, leading up to bowl practice as early enrollees. But there has to be part of the uh, ingredients here where Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart have transitioned from Alabama being LBU to now Georgia, undeniably, in my opinion anyway, is LBU and the SEC for sure. Well, I look at it like this. If you give Gordon Ramsay a choice steak and you give me a prime or a Wagyu, you know, Jordan Ramsey's going to still cook it right on par with what I can do. But if you give him the, the prime beef and you give him the skill that he's acquired as a chef, uh, he's you got no chance. And Georgia's got both, man. And Glenn Schumann's that good. I mean, he really is. And the way Ryan Davis was able to step in there and play as well as he did against Auburn with Smile Munden and Tresman Marshall Hurt, um, that was incredible. I mean, got him so – I mean, and obviously Ryan Davis is not just some newcomer. Um, but roll back to 2017 when um, I think it was Nick Shrez Patrick got in some trouble, um, which was kind of a common occurrence there for about a year and a half. And Georgia stuck with him, and I think he kind of put it behind him. Uh, but, but Monty Rice, they go to Vanderbilt. Monty Rice steps in and plays really well as a freshman, uh, you know, plays winning football. And that's, that's what's so important is anybody, anytime, anywhere, Glenn Schumann has shown that he can get guys ready to play winning football. I mean, Georgia – had a half, you know, healthy Reggie Carter that no depth at inside linebacker. Roquan Smith playing at 75 snaps a game in, in 2017. They were awesome. Uh, Channing Tindall, I, I honestly, I, I'd, I'd kind of given up on him, to be honest with you, as far as being like an inside linebacker. Like I thought maybe he could, yeah, like he could maybe come in and be a third down guy and then boom. Um, and then that Clemson finally, game. Yeah, gets the light to come on for him, you know. So it's, I mean, Schumann, man, there's a there, that, listen. There's a reason he had a chance to turn down two jobs this year, and uh, there's a reason Georgia played him 1.9 million. And I know a lot of people think, all right, well, you know, count your blessings. He's only going to be here one year, maybe two more years. That that may be true. I don't know, but I will say this: if he's turning down the Philadelphia Eagles, um, he's probably going to turn down, you know, Louisville 
if he has a chance <laughs> to become the head coach at Louisville too. Maybe not Louisville. Maybe that's a bad example, but you know he's going to turn down some some decent jobs to stay at Georgia because a he can make a lot of money and b he can wait for a big job like Kirby did, like Dan Lanning did. I mean, he's been close to those guys, and he knows that opportunity is going to come for him. Glenn Schumann, Texas A&M head coach by 2027. That'd be a good – That not bad because shoe, shoe recruits in Texas, and that would be a uh, that would be a heck of a landing spot for him, honestly. I've, I've had a couple of people in North Carolina circles tell me that they want him as their next coach once Matt Brown leaves – maybe going you know bringing back a little bit of a defensive mindset to, to some unc football up there um yeah i mean coming off the uh career of mac brown and get coach brown to set you up nice tee you up and make a basketball school into a football school we've seen a lot of sec programs uh try to become basketball schools and come up short um and i know jake you you missed a lot of the tourney but a lot of SEC schools are trying to save their basketball schools now, but they can't even make it to the Final Four. So we will uh, we'll see about that. Who do you guys think, before we get to our, uh, our own Final Four discussion, who has to dominate this spring? Who's on the cusp for the dogs at any position? And, I, and we'll exclude quarterback because that's such a microscope position as it is. But how about some names, maybe sophomores, juniors that have been knocking on the door for a minute where this is, if not a make or break spring for them, this is a spring where they've got to make some moves. I think Kristen Miller is entering a very crucial spring. I started to hear a little bit of buzz about him, not not to the point that I'm like, oh, man, Kristen Miller's making a move. Um, but, but I think that is a guy who Georgia, not only does he need it, but Georgia needs it. Um, just simply because um, you look at the defensive line, the defensive line talent. I mean, he's a big-time kid. Um, another guy is is a guy that we brought up here recently, and if you haven't seen it, come on over to Dogs HQ and sign up with us because I don't think anybody else is reporting this. Julian Humphrey. We had some good nuggets on him from last week in practice, some surprising nuggets on him. I think he might be a guy making a little bit of a move, and we got a few more details over on our message board. Is he uh, one of Georgia's fastest players? Oh, without a without a doubt. I mean, he is he's Keely Ringo fast. He's he's a right, you know, Keely Ringo, Arian Smith, CJ Smith, uh, Chandler Smith, or whatever you want to call him. Right there in that area, that Anthony Evans. He's he's probably the you look at he's top five, top ten percent of the team fast for sure. Jack Moreno says Rattledge needs to take a step forward. He's already a starter, so that's a heck of a take. And uh, Matthew C. giving a shout-out to Lawson Lucky, saying that Delp, Oscar Delp could get passed up by Lawson Lucky if he doesn't make a big move. And I think, I don't know, by, based on the way Georgia rolls the tight ends by committee, looking at the way that you know we assume Brock Bowers will go to the NFL by this time next year, um, I, I would say that Delp probably still be in the rotation, but Lucky's going to be hard to keep off. Robinson's an interest interest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Branson. Branson's a guy. Um, sorry, Wes, you're cutting out there, so I I, I didn't know what was going on. But Branson's a guy that yeah, 100 percent because if Roderick Robinson comes in playing well, um, and you know Dejon Edwards as durable as he has been, 
Um, you know, you think about Andrew Paul. I, I have a hard time believing that Paul maybe gets back to 100% to the point that, that he's able to just, like, knock off Branson Robinson completely there. But but Robinson needs a good spring. And I will say this, man. I was watching him pull those, pull those sleds the other day, and I, I know pulling a sled well and a dollar or, you know, you know, two dollars will buy you a coke now inflation and whatnot uh but um those two man they pulled that sled like darnell washington pushed that sled like they they pulled it yeah. like you know, the other dudes were pulling it and you're like oh okay and then those two pulled it and you're like oh okay uh there are a couple mules man a couple of horses they they can they can get after it yeah i mean i'll i'll kind of join in on this conversation here too and um it, on guys that we think we need a good spring. I mean, you, there's a couple of defensive backs with, with some spots open there. Tyke Smith, um, who, who I noticed that that's another name you, you mentioned, Jake. Um, you know, I, I would say Nylon Green, probably somebody that needs a good spring. And those two are probably older examples um, than some may want. Um, you know, if you want to go on the younger side of things, I think, the offensive line is an area where you could look at um, a guy like Micah Morris, who uh, speaking with Tate Ratledge last week, he, he you know pointed out Morris and, and Jared Wilson and Dylan Fairchild. Those guys are really making a push for playing time. And that's something that Stacey Searle showed last season. Um, seven players on that offensive line played more than 30% of Georgia's total offensive snaps Two. Uh, two, two of those non-starters, um, you know, they, they did start games, um, but, you know, weren't a part of the regular, uh, you know, starting five. Those those guys, the, the Micah Morris's, Dylan Fairchild's, Jared Wilson's of the world, they can have a good spring and push for playing time and, and kind of earn themselves a spot uh, in the rotation slash starting five for next year. All right, I'm I'm late. I'm late, so I don't know what's been said already. Uh, but I've got a couple guys that I would throw in there. I definitely agree with Dylan Fairchild. To me, he just seemed like a name that kind of got lost in the wash last year, um, it, which I've been surprised about. I thought that coming out, he was the guy who was going to be maybe an early name that we'd hear a lot about. Um, I, I think that one of the guys that really needs it though is Jacory Thomas uh, at, at the safety spot um, because you're hearing a lot of buzz about. Uh, maybe Javon Bullard playing back there right now. Uh, maybe is Janelle Aguero making his move there. Ja'Cory Thomas came in in that same class with Malachi Starks as a pure safety. I, I think it would really benefit him to kind of step up and, and have a big uh, big spring, as it were. And I also think if you play cornerback, you brought up Nyland Green, um, Palmer. If you play cornerback at Georgia right now, Man, the heat is on because you're you're probably not going to unseat Kamari Lasser, and the more I think about the other one, you're probably looking at uh, Dalen Everett, Nylon Green, Julian Humphrey, Smoke Bowie, AJ Harris. All of those guys kind of gunning for it. Five dudes, and I tell you what, not, man. If not to mention that you've got Daniel Harris, who who was a not an early enrollee uh, that you signed in this class too. Yeah, or Chris Peel, or you know, Kyron I mean, Jones. I mean, and does, it, does that contextualize to some degree, Jaheim Singletary? Yeah, you know, looking further. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know about contextualize. I think it might just explain it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason. Uh, but no, I mean, it's and, and honestly, if I'm one of those guys, man, I'm and I, I don't know. I, I can't speak for all, any of them really, but 
you hear so often, hey, cornerbacks don't want to play nickel. You know, they want to play cornerback. That's where it's at. Well, man, I don't know, dude. If you know you're going to be at Georgia this next year, maybe you dig in and you say, I'm going to beat out Javon Bullard for this, or I'm going to, I'm going to play this position as well as Javon Bullard plays it so that he can play safety, um, or I'm going to beat out Tyke Smith, or I'm going to do something to separate, you know, myself for that spot because – I mean, there's playing time available, and I, you know, I, I honestly, I, I don't know if that's the case at Georgia, but you hear it a lot from evaluators. You know, I talk to the NFL scouts who talk about it. They're like, "Yeah, he transferred because they wanted him to play. You know, they thought he could play nickel. He didn't want to play nickel. He wanted to play cornerback." Have we uh, Stevenson? You know? Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. For sure. And that leads to tears. You know. We, that leads to tears, as Tyreek Stevenson told us. He cried when his team won the national championship. Well, and kid, listen, I mean, the fact is kids take it as a slight. Uh, you know, the, the nickel corner is somehow demeaned or, you know, the the guy who is, is – I'm I, I, like I said, I got on late, and I'm really upset to see that Wes got duped into buying Palmer's internet plan. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm just laughing at Matthew C. over here talking about Kent Marker. <laughs> you know who Kent Merker is? I don't. I don't. He, kept, I don't he threw a couple of combined no hitters at Georgia. I mean, okay, at Georgia, right. at, a, at a, in it for the Braves. Sorry, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he did have a pretty rad mullet though. Yeah, Uncle Uncle Glenn Hartley says uh, I need to do the Brian Bosworth, which I could probably I, I could get down with. That. Get you That's some lines cool. cut in here. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty sick, actually. Um, no, it's it's. The spring is important. I, it's not a make or break for a lot of these guys, but there's a few. There are a few guys I think who could benefit from it. Like I said, uh, Jacory was a guy. Xavier Sori is another guy who jumped yeah. off the page to me. I don't know if you guys mentioned him earlier. I'm sure you did. We had, yeah, and, and sure. I hadn't thought about it. No, Xavier Sori is a guy who. It's uh, listen with the freshmen they've got and the guys that they also have there ready and available. Again, it's like getting lost in the wash, like I said about Dylan Fairchild. I mean, it's that's a, a dangerous spot for him. He's going to need like a Kool-Aid like spring. He's got to blow through a brick wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Sort, you know. Absolutely. Um yeah, that's a big that's a big picture of Kool-Aid just bust up in there and and cuz I don't know, man. I I don't have a lot of I don't I, I'm kind of like Xavier Sori like I was about Channing Tindall and I, I've kind of given up there not not saying that he's not a great player i think he is a great you player gave up on Kendall? yeah uh, but as far as being like an every down linebacker as far as being like a true linebacker like i mean i, had, I knew i had to i knew he was a good football player and i knew he could do some things for you on third down i knew he wasn't like worthless but i never <laughs> thought that he was going to be at like i didn't think he would be the top three i didn't think he would start games i thought he was a role player i will say this too another name i was i'm just scrolling down here looking at guys right now um, I think that it would be advantageous if you are Cole Spear to have a, a, a nice spring. Um, I think it would be advantageous uh, if you are – listen, to me this is a make-or-break spring if you're Chad Lindbergh. If, yeah. do, you even have a, do you even have a reserve spot? Because if not, maybe you you got to look this this after this spring session. So um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna point one guy out that's that's in the comments that, that I've seen a couple of times. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, guys, he finished top five on the team in receiving last year. Sure, they've got really talented receivers that are coming in, but Marcus is going to be a part of Georgia's game plan because of what he does as a blocker, and he proved last year that he's a pretty damn good pass catcher too. And Mark yeah, me makes some big catches I, in big situations. I, I said this the other day. Mark me down as a guy who believes Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Is going to have a ten-year NFL career. 
I think that he is a solid role player in the NFL. He yeah, reminds me a lot of he reminds me of Van Jefferson. Yeah. Well, the, okay, here's the deal. If if you throw back the clock 10 years or 15 years, I would totally agree with you. But now, if you're not a dude, like if you're not like, you know, you bounce around for teams for about, you know, three or four or five years, and then you're out of the league because there, there are so many receivers flying through there. Look at look at our recruiting rankings, right? Like I was I was looking at – um, who does Georgia have committed? Oh, uh, NICAR. Mm-hmm. All right, so NICAR is committed to Georgia, right? Awesome. He's the number 60-something overall prospect in the country, according to the On3 industry ranking. He's the number 11 wideout. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, I mean, and, and we're getting <laughs> – That's him. That's him. Hey, man, he threw hard, too. He was a power He was a power arm from the left side. I'm not even denying that that's what I'm going for. I mean, yeah. like, that's like, – I'm leaning into it, man. <laughs> but, but, Have yeah, y'all seen I mean, the TikTok guy that does, like, the uh, southern grandpa – impressions i'm blanking on his name right now but if you see that dude i'll follow up when i actually figure out what his name is is it the dude with the, the big, is it the dude with the big belly and all the tattoos yes yeah yeah that dude's awesome he does a lot of dale earnhardt stuff yeah yeah, yeah. just, just oh, it's the sayings like he does like southern grandpa sayings yeah yeah yes. well, yeah kind of like that but then he does a whole lot of like he, he like waddles in and he's like hey what y'all doing you know, oh. like you know, show up to <laughs> Justin like Stagner is the TikTok account. Jeez. Okay, how the how did you find that so fast? <laughs> I Google Palmer's like the human chat GPT. I just TikTok. I just yeah. input okay. a couple okay. things and Palmer connects a few dots and there hey, it is. Another name, another name here. While we're while we're we're talking spring practice, I, I think another guy that could benefit from a very strong one, Carson Beck. Uh, Justin Jefferson was who I was going to say. Yeah, hundred Jonathan Jefferson, Ash Jones. Yeah, Jonathan Jefferson. Jonathan, I'm sorry, Jonathan. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's doing okay for me. George Jefferson. <laughs> Moving on up. <laughs> uh, appreciate you jo- carrying. Jonathan Jefferson needs a George Jefferson spring. <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> um. All right. I appreciate y'all uh, carrying the water there while my internet just decided to spark and smoke all over my uh, office here. Um, Something that does not spark and smoke or ever give us any trouble (laughs) is the uh, fine apparel at Breaking Tea. Guys, I don't know if you've heard of these people, Breaking Tea, but they've got all kinds of stuff that you can wear or drink out of. T-shirts, mugs, hoodies from Georgia's back-to-back national championship run. Maybe when the dogs have a three-peat, they'll have some sort of deal where they uh, unleash a hat. I don't know. I, I know it takes a lot to make hat. But for now, you'll have to do with the uh, Mailman T-shirt here. Pretty stylish. The Bennett Bowers 22. Still not too late to vote if you want to get that vote in for Stetson Bennett and Brock Bowers. Uh, or Christopher Smith with the Savage Pads. Darnell Washington hurdling, uh, I believe, an Oregon defender. Y'all head on over to Breaking Tea for all of your Georgia apparel and merchandise needs. The link is always in the show description. Shout out to Chris Smith, man. Shout out to Chris Smith. Chris Smith does not get talked about enough. 
Respect. Never will. I didn't. I did not think Chris Smith would climb to the heights that he did when he came to Athens. I thought he was a role player. He ended up being an incredibly solid player. Bruce, I don't know if you remember this. We we had this Nike thing or the whatever. It was um, me, you, Brandon Adams, Rusty, Mansell. Like all of us were there, and, and Chris. It was the year Chris Smith was coming out, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was an early enrollee. I think he was trying to get that worked out. He was a cornerback at the time, and it was the first time I'd ever seen him in person. Like yep. I, you know, I was covering the team at the time; I hadn't seen him in person. And I saw that kid, and I had the same reaction as the first time I saw David Pollock. Like, what? I mean, th- this guy does. I mean, he looks like a like he'd probably be a really good high school football player. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but this dude's about to go. You know, he's about to go run amongst the trees out there. Like he's gonna he's gonna go run run with the buffaloes. And uh, he did, man. I mean, and and was a stud. So uh, you know, you can't like count I him out. I, I, I thought I, I thought role player at corner at best, like a rotational yeah. player would be happy to serve four years and go on. You know, be a, a a solid piece of your team, an upstanding young man. Dude turned into a hell of a player. Yeah, one of incredible 13, safety. And, one that? of thirteen unanimous All Americans in program history. That's incredible. Wow. Frank and, and, Kinkwich, Charlie Trippy, Royce. Andrew Thomas, Jordan Davis, <laughs> Nicobe Dean. <laughs> we got gremlins tonight, dude. Uh, oh, no. My lasting memory of Chris Smith will always be, and I don't know if it went down this way, but Tennessee, Georgia gives up 10 quick points to 10 or 13 quick points or whatever it was um, there in Neyland. And uh, Chris Smith, just next – you see him come out next series, he's lined up over the slot. And uh, they got Dan Jackson at safety, and you're just like, what? Uh, Chris Smith plays – he plays star? What's going on here? And then, boom, uh, all of a sudden, Tennessee can't really get anything else going. And Georgia, you know, beats them like Georgia beats up on Tennessee. Tennessee, man. <laughs> Tennessee, Tennessee, man, uh, in our Hall of Fame. I went to a hateful game when they played Douglas back in 2017, and Trey Douglas Scott County was at the game. Douglas County or, Doug, or Frederick Douglas? Fred. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Frederick, and it wasn't just Frederick Douglas. He had 10 other guys on the team with him, too. <laughs> and <laughs> that was always our favorite joke on the High School Friday Night Show whenever someone was playing Langston Hughes. Hope they had more than just Langston Hughes there. Huh? Yeah, Langston Hughes against Frederick Douglass. Huh? <laughs> one on game, a one on one football. One on one football game. Um, kind of like <laughs> Shahino Tani versus Mike Trout the other night. That's that's what it was billed as. Just one, just a one on one baseball game. Um, but Trey Scott was there, and I was like, "Who are you here to see?" And uh, Trey Scott was here. I'm, you know, just hanging out, watching a lot of talent, obviously. But Chris Smith was there. And um, it, it was an October night, and I actually got a chance to talk to Trey Scott. Really cool dude. This was before he proved himself as worthy of Georgia fans' admiration because I know they hated his guts back then as Georgia was making another national championship run or at least an attempt at one. But that kind of clued in like, okay, Trey Scott won't even coach this guy in college, but he's checking in to see – what kind of game Chris Smith can have. And I think they shut him out, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a 1,000 years ago. 
Hateville was, was a pr- was dudes back then, man. I love going to Hateville. William yeah. Poole, Kingsley, and Ignagbari came mm-hmm. out of there. I believe I mean, uh, Arden Key as well. Arden Key, you're right. Yeah, he was kind of the that the the guy who kind of set that off that run anyway that they had. Like Arden that. Key was one of those recruits who were like, man, I don't know where the hell he's going to end up, or will he play college ball, or 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 is he even real? Like, I mean, you just it, it was <laughs> a, crea- just, a creative player. Yeah, there's just some weird stuff, man. Every now and then you get that weird cat in recruiting. Nadab Joseph was another one. Oh, like. Boy. I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, I almost felt like I, I cannot made. verify. I cannot independently verify his existence. Or Seven Cloud, you know? Like, I mean, I know there's a rough situation there, apparently, but I mean, it just happens from time to time. You're like, where the hell did they end up? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, uh, the, with the AI final... these days, you never know. There's going to be a fake, <laughs> maybe deep fakes. There's going to be a the, fake uh, player that slips through the cracks. Final score of that Hapeville Charter. Yes. Douglas game from 2017. You said, "Are you on max preps?" I am. Uh, I'm gonna guess it was 23 to 23 to nothing. Is it? Was it 2017 no, or 16? Had, no, that had to be that had to be a 16 game because I think I think that Chris was a 17 enrollee in the Justin Fields class. If I'm not mistaken. Justin so Fields was an 18 guy though. Was yeah, 20, okay, then it was the 17. Then it was the 2017 17. game. Final score thirty-five to fourteen. Okay. All right. Well, I I always left those high school games before it was over, so it was a shutout <laughs> when I left. Um. Hey guys, no final fours for Georgia basketball in uh, um, but still more final fours than Tennessee basketball has ever. Because uh, so y'all can drop that on your volunteer fans the next time you talk to them. Tennessee but, man. But I want to take the opportunity uh, to shout out some of the great Georgia football teams in years past that never had the opportunity to play for a Final Four. And you really, I mean, obviously you have a lot of Mark Rick teams in there. But before the CFP era began, there were a lot of good Georgia teams that probably would have made the postseason, probably would have played for a national championship if it existed. So uh, I just wanted to go into some hypothetical talk tonight. Who are your all-time Georgia Final Four teams that never had a shot to play in a college football playoff? And I'm going to exclude the 1980 and 1942 teams because they obviously got their hardware. But uh, I think y'all had a few minutes to think about this before we went on the air. If not, let me know and someone else will pick it up while y'all – I, I, have, I, I have another hypothetical just related to this in general, which is, yeah, like, was, and it's something we haven't talked about. Is there a coach at pre, uh, or who was, I guess, closer to the, the CFP than Mark Rick, who would have benefited more from it than Mark Rick? Yeah. Oh, um, I, I, I think, I don't think I think, so. I think those Rick teams, those, some of those Rick teams would have been prime and dangerous in the CFP. But is there some is there somebody else lurking out there? I, I don't. I, well, and and, and Roos, one of the thing, one of the reasons I think they would have been dangerous in the CFP is one of the reasons that I think was un, one of Rick's undoing is they could get up for a big football game. Like they could, you know, I mean, they they got knocked around in that one SEC championship game when LSU was just, you know, when LSU was a one time completely just flat out better, and one time another time just a complete buzzsaw. 
Um, but the way they got up and played outmanned against Alabama in 2012 um, shouldn't have been outmanned. That's another reason Rick, for Rick's undoing. Uh, but they 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 could get up and play really well in important games. It was just and and they would lose some of those games too. But but they would also um, kind of you know like Matthew C pointed out here, kind of get undone by a bad South Carolina loss here or you know a loss to so and so there. Um, yeah, I, the, I, I'm going to go off the board though here on the on the whole thing. This team actually played in the playoff era, but I would still love to have seen them in a fourteen playoff, and that was the twenty eighteen Georgia team. Eighteen, um, yeah. yeah, because that, that was the offense, one time Kirby actually like politicked a little bit. For yeah, because that offense was really stinking good, and um, I will say I don't know how much noise if you put it in full context they would have made in the playoff because DeAndre Walker wouldn't have been back. Um, and that was really the reason they lost to Alabama. The reason Jalen Hurts ran wild is because you know DeAndre Walker and Cox had, that, had to come in, right? And they had that but, they had that groin, Cox and Walter Grant, um, and and that groin injury for for Walker really was Georgia's undoing. There, he wouldn't have been back in the playoffs, so probably you know maybe they prepared a little differently, or whatever. But that offense to me was the second best Georgia offense of the Kirby era, um, behind last year's. I so for me, yeah. the four the four teams that I think, and I think that's a great point, row. Um, and I think there's probably a case for them to have made it in. Uh, I, I, I see 2007 from uncle Glenn. My problem with the 2007 team is they had two losses, right? Yeah. Yep. And there aren't but the national champion had two losses that year. Yeah. 2007 was so chaotic Yeah, that I guess, in that vacuum of that season, there was and a case to be made. And that team was they, a lot of fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. They were, just, uh, they were number four when they suited up for the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, that's true. For me, 2002 jumps off the page. Sure. Uh, no doubter. 2002, 2012. Uh, Andy Stowe says the 2005 team. Yeah, I, I was going to say that oh, as well. That, I, that 2005 that was team was, that really was a good. fun. That was my freshman year, man, and uh, I remember that so well. Just beating the brakes off of Boise State and uh, just the overrated chance, and and they played really well that season, man. DJ Shockley was a, a yeah. Player. If DJ Shockley doesn't sprain his MCL against Arkansas and missed the Florida game, and then was kind of maybe seventy percent against Auburn. I think Georgia probably, you know, would have gotten into a Final Four. I don't think it was the same class as what USC and Texas were that year, um, but I do think Georgia could have played for it all because, man, when you watch them play in that SEC championship game, again, you want to talk about one of Rick's teams getting up for a big game. Um, you know, LSU was the favorite in that one, and Georgia just came in there and outcoached them that day. Yeah, shock. It was a weird year, too, though. I mean, that loss to Auburn was a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. And then the Florida game with Joe T3. The uh, Was that the game where he had the quarterback, where he caught a touchdown? Yeah, yeah, Thomas Brown, a little tall sweep <laughs> yeah. action. Thomas Brown slings him a little left-handy, left-hander uh, over there. Yeah, it was that, that was, was a pretty wild game. That was nuts. That was um, Urban Meyer's first Georgia-Florida game at, at, at Florida. That was Urban Myers. That was his debut. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, 07, 07 to me, though, is obviously the clear winner. I mean, that, that team – that you talk about a team catching a stride. And when we're talking about March Madness, right, and it's all about guys hitting it at the right uh-huh. time, uh, that, that was a team that had the cylinders hitting at the right time. And that's conceivably what I guess we're going to in the 12-team playoff is a team can catch fire like that. But I don't know. I, I, I hope so anyway. I hope that's the outcome. The final four, like we have now in basketball. <laughs> I, think, I think a revolution might be coming. I think. I, I, think, I think the weather. Uh, I mean, it's got to be something. You Can y'all hear me now? Am I? Yeah, sure? we, got you. we got you, bro. We got you. It's it's the baby. The baby's killing the Wi-Fi. Use it. <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting here chewing on the Wi-Fi cords. <laughs> the, the, baby who, the, baby, the baby. The the baby who I wrongly said his name no less than four or five times on the show the other night. It What'd is. What'd you call him? Breaking tea. It, it, well, I I tried. I did. I did put that one out there. Uh, it is not Andrew, guys. It's Ryan. I was wrong. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I thought I thought it was Javon. I thought it was JB. I thought it was J- Javon Buller Blankenship. Our uh, our That's daughter wanted to call him Pine Straw. <laughs> <laughs> what and, a name! Yeah, and uh, and to the plate, Pine Straw Blankenship. We asked her what she wanted to name him, and she just looked at the first thing she saw. It was kind of like. Brick Tamlin and Anchorman. <laughs> I love Pine that. straw. <laughs> 14 um, pounds, 30 inches long, baby. So, all right, I'll, I'll go one seed as the 2002 Georgia team, two seed, 2012 Georgia team, three seed or four seed between 05 and 07. They both had two losses, right? So, that's – I think that's – probably it and it just well, sucks for all those park rick teams if 07 comes in as the four seed that number one seed is uh is getting the same kind of draw georgia got this past year because jake, jake rowe was chewing on stuff something that wasn't there when you heard when he heard that yeah <laughs> i'm scratching my lip with my teeth um no it's uh if 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 that 2007 team gets to play the number the gets to play the one seed in the in the first round well, that's a bad break for the one. What seed. a matchup that would be, though. I, I do. I would not. It would be Georgia, Ohio State. I mean, I, it would be. I mean, that would be something else because, um, you know, no Sean and Stafford playing the way he was, the way that defense was playing late in the season, creating all those turnovers. Um, Keelan Johnson, uh, man, that was. Oh, I don't know that there's Stafford. ever been a more fun Georgia team than that 2017. No chance. No, they were fun as hell, man. Uh, well, before my totally melts down, Jake Roos, we got a new uh, Georgia commitment today on the books. Tell us about the newest Malachi dog. Yeah, Malachi Tolliver in the fold uh, for the class of uh, 2024. First offensive lineman of this class for the Bulldogs and uh, three-star guy, in-state guy uh, out of Cartersville. So, uh, you have to love that. And listen, Auburn at one time thought to be the team to beat. South Carolina wanted this guy. So, you know, there were other SEC programs that were involved uh, here. I think that that's always got to be taken into account. Listen, three stars I know is not going to blow anybody away. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be falling all over themselves. But they kept a, a really good in-state lineman out of the hands of, you know, rival programs. And I think that you always have to – 
take something like that into account, especially in what I think is a down year nationally for offensive lines. So um, Tolliver looks to me like a guy who can play, you know, guard or tackle. Um, I, I lean guard early if I, if I'm being honest with you, but I think he, he's got good feet. He moves well for his size, six, five, three fifteen. Um, I think it was a solid pickup for Georgia to get the offensive line class started. Uh, you know, really uh, appreciated the relationships he built in Athens. Stacey Searles was a big, big factor there. And like I said, you know, they're going to have to take, uh, and I'm not saying this about Tolliver, but they're going to have to probably take one or two guys that are developmental prospects uh, in this class because it's just not a great one. And, you know, you've got every program in the nation battling over a couple of guys, in my opinion, uh, when you're talking about top-tier offensive linemen. Uh, that's always the case, but probably more so this year. I, I think there are less top-tier guys than there are normally. So, Tolliver, um, you know, I like his game. I like the film. And um, I think Georgia uh, made a great move in, in picking him up early, uh, especially to keep him, like I said, in state. And Jake, I know you had a chance to watch him at the uh, Utter Army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, he's, he's a good athlete. And I think there's some potential there. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he moves around well. He's, he's got some bend to him. I thought his hand placement was awful, but that's a technique thing and it's something he's going to kind of have to work on. It can also be really hard to, to you know, get and maintain good head hand placement in those one-on-one drills when nobody's wearing shoulder pads and they're wearing these Under Armour um, slick, you know, deals you know, on, you know, on their chest and everything, and you're trying to block a dude that's like this wide. Um, it's, it's not easy to deal with. But I will say, looking at Malachi Tolliver, I see a guy that's probably eating some chicken of the sea off of his pocket knife at some point. Right. <laughs> he's, I, think he's got to re- I think he's got to reshape his body, too. I yeah. mean, he, you know, he's got – there's some work to be done. I mean, he's not a finished product. And like I said, developmental is where they're probably going to have to lean. <clears throat> to me, the, if you're looking at one name in state, Daniel Calhoun is that guy uh, for the 2024 cycle. But outside of that, you know, Georgia's going to have to go outside of the state borders. There's not a there's not a Kelton Smith. There's not a Bo Hewley this year. <clears throat> you know, you got to go find a Monroe Freeling. Uh, there's it's not going to be easy for Stacy Searles, and not that it was last year, but I, I think that he's got his work cut out for him a little bit stronger this year. Tomahawk Dog, I don't know if y'all can hear me or not. Tomahawk Dog. Yeah, Malachi's eyes are open in the picture, and he yeah. does have a pretty filthy mustache as well. <laughs> that stash following the upper lip, just outstanding. Yeah, like I said, dude, chicken of the sea off the pocket knife out of the dock. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, too, uh, on the recruiting front, Georgia hosted the number one offensive tackle uh, in the nation for 2025, number one player overall, in fact, for that class. Chad Simmons with a great write-up. Get over to Dogs HQ and check that one out. David Sanders. Uh, this is a guy that I think Georgia's in with very early and um, strongly, I, I should say. Um, I'm not willing to say that they're a favorite or anything like that, but I do think that they're going to be one of the big factors for the long Isn't term. Isn't he like the best offensive lineman ever? Yeah, in the history of the world. What Jake, what Jake Rose said. Oh, man, I, yeah, I mean, if he ever learns how to play football, we all need to hide. <laughs> uh no david sanders he's a hell of a player man uh great build for it uh incredible spirit and i i think that he's a uh i mean obviously he's number one guy i think that georgia gonna be a big factor there for some time that he was on campus this past weekend really big he's mentioned personalization in the past as something that he values 
and sounds like they knocked that out of the park again. So get over and read Chad's update. Good stuff, guys. Uh, he's also right. got, I believe, four sisters who I believe he's the oldest by a good margin. I think they control the recruitment. And I think they probably run him based yeah. on what I saw. I mean, they, they've they got his number, dude. Absolutely. Oh, he's got a team around him, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and those four younger sisters know what's up. Well, good luck to any I'm coach. I'm hoping, honestly, I would love at some point in the process to – to get in touch with his parents and talk to like, and to do a story of them talking about him. I think it would be a lot of fun because they listen, they, they came through, they are boss. They are bosses. 100%. Like they, they've got it going on. There's publicist, his manager, his agent. Trainer. Trainer. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, in that, in that vein, I'll uh, kick off dog stocks tonight. Uh, Kirby Smart spoke at the Making Touchdown Club a few days ago, and I wrote about that earlier this week. And just want to say stock up on Kirby Smart's personability when it comes to just talking about high school football in the state. Obviously, all of us, even Palmer as a Tennessee guy, understand that uh, high school football in the state of Georgia is pretty special, pretty unique, and pretty good. And there's uh, a lot in it for Kirby Smart to petition to a room full of coaches and high school football players from the state uh, and talk about how awesome they are and how much they matter to the sport. But uh, when I listened to Kirby talk at that event, you know, I heard a pretty genuine dude who legitimately appreciates how important the institution of high school football was for him um, in the state and in general too. But it's not just about five stars and four stars for Kirby. He, he knows that uh, this is a special thing, and a lot of relationships come out of it, a lot of good football players, but just a lot of good people too. So stock up on Kirby Smart, and in a, in a time of his life where he's just laser-focused on national championship after national championship, uh, it was pretty cool to hear him just appeal to a bunch of just normal high school football people in the making touchdown club. And I'm sure he's doing it to all of the touchdown club and quarterback club stops that he makes, but the making touchdown club has the best pork chops in the state. So stock up on Kirby smart and the making touchdown club. I feel like you just called should, Palmer Tennessee man to some degree, by the way. Yeah. Palmer is Tennessee man. <laughs> we should do a show from the making touchdown club. We should, we should rotate from all of the, from like Columbus, Macon, Savannah, we'll yeah. get free meals out of it if nothing else. <laughs> oh man, Palmer, Palmer's big on a free meal, dude. <laughs> yes, he's still got that college mentality going with the free meal thing. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll cover a Georgia basketball game, Georgia baseball game for for a free meal. And, oh yeah, uh, that Papa John. And, and on that note, uh, I'm gonna go stock up on Mike White. Um, he was at the uh, Elite Eight game this weekend, uh, Sweet 16 up in New York uh, there, that, that East Regional. Uh, and he had a lot of ties to that regional. Um, Coach, his, his brother, uh, Danny, is the athletic director at Tennessee. Volunteers lost to FAU, uh, whose athletic director is also Mike's brother, um, forgetting his name. Uh, but his brother is the is the F FAU 
athletic director. Uh, then in the Elite Eight game, you had FAU who had just – His name's Bob. Bob? Bob. That's not true. <laughs> he married a lady. He married a lady with the last night with the last name Quail, and he, then they hyphenated. So Brian, his name's Brian. Quail man. Anyway, Quail. So um, Brian White. Then, then the in the Elite Eight, you had FAU uh, again with his brother Brian uh, as the uh, AD. Uh, Dusty May, who's the head coach at FAU, uh, was somebody that Mike had coached with for a while. Playing up against Kansas State, who had um, Keontae Johnson, who played for Mike at Florida for a while before transferring, um, using his last couple of years of eligibility there. That's a great story. FAU's a great story. Uh, hopefully, Mike is getting Georgia to that kind of a stage here. Uh, that's certainly what fans are hoping for. So, uh, you know, I, I know the uh, Elite Eight and Sweet 16 feels pretty far away. Uh, but it's pretty close to home for Mike White. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, all these other SEC basketball programs puffing their chests out for most of the season, and, you know, they can't even make it to the Final Four. So what do they have to brag about? Not much more than Georgia. Look, FAU and San Diego State first in school history for the Final Four. Miami, too. Yeah, catch catch lightning in the bottle, man. There's really only one thing to say about it. And that's come to the FAU. <laughs> Absolutely. Come to the FAU. No, uh, I, I hope they get it on track. I, yeah, I was honestly going to do a stock up on, on Georgia basketball expectations tonight, but Palmer stole my thunder. So now I got to recalibrate. Roe, what do you got? Okay. Well, I got two, I got two stock ups. Uh, stock up on the cornerback position I talked about earlier. Um, Really blown away, you know. Whenever you think about it, it's not a it's not a Georgia show unless we step on our feature like earlier in the show. So I stepped on it already. <laughs> um, you know, again, listen the names: Dalen Everett, uh, Nylon Green, Julian Humphrey, Smoke Bowie, AJ Harris, Chris Peel, Kyron Jones, uh, and uh, yeah, the, the, one of the nine Harris's Georgia signed in this past <laughs> class. I mean. So many cornerbacks, so many talented cornerbacks, so many people in the fold. Also, stock up on furry mammals. We got Jake Roos here on the show tonight. Um, that's one furry mammal right there. Uh, we, we took my took my family to Memorial Park this weekend for zoo for zoo days. Saw bears, saw otters, and then I went to church this morning, and a squirrel got loose. Ray Stevens style. You can look it up on YouTube. Jefferson Church. The squirrel went to church. It's on video. Uh, yes, it is on video. I don't know. If are you, you in the video? Are you in the video? Probably not. To trap it. Uh, uh, no, I did help. not trap it. Somebody, somebody did catch it. Apparently, um, so the the pastor of the church is Nick Dalton, who's a former Georgia walk on quarterback. Yeah. back in the day, and uh, he is the senior pastor of the church, and he uh, he really cracked me up when he said that um, that uh, the start, one of the starting safeties for the Jefferson football team jumped up onto a chair to avoid the, the squirrel. I, I really couldn't see a whole lot of what was going on personally. Um, but all I could think about was uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi and Ray Stevens. Jake Rowe, classic back pew Baptist. Yeah. Back, 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 back pew non-denomination. <laughs> when's the meet? Right to the parking lot. Yeah, <laughs> when's the eat meet? When is the eat meet? Checking, checking the watch at 12, 12 p.m. And, uh, when's the meal? <laughs> My blood sugar, baby. Get it up. Yeah. I got the rice coming off. 
No communion today. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Only one red back hymnal left when this thing's over. <laughs> okay. We're not singing the fourth verse today. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to do um, stock up. I'm going to do stock continuing to be up on Georgia recruiting because Georgia's still in the number one spot in the class of 2024. Stacey Searles, like I said, out the gate with his first commitment. I Like I said, three stars aren't going to raise the hair on the back of a lot of people's necks, but – in a class where it's down nationally, you have to get guys like this and you have to take guys who are um, who, who epitomize it and who show the traits that you're looking for. I think Malachi Tolliver is a guy who meets those criteria for Georgia. You keep him out of the hands of uh, Auburn. You keep him out of the hands of South Carolina. Um, and regardless, Georgia still, I mean, like I said, sitting number one. Two five stars now in the uh, industry ranking. Things are going really well on the recruiting trail, and it's just really kind of kicking off. G Day coming up and lurking soon, and it's going to be probably a, a ridiculous day. They've got two really impactful official visits in Justin Scott and Aaron Butler set for that day. I know uh, Jake Rowe, very familiar with the Aaron Butler situation. Oh, yeah. Um, those are going to be two big, big visits for them. Um, you know, summer's not here yet, but Georgia has a number of dudes already on this list. I think that it's all trending in the right direction. So I'm going to say stock continues to be up on Georgia. Mm. Georgia three is kind of like a New York nine. It's kind of like, uh, like a, like an Auburn five stars, like a Georgia three star. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I got a quick stock down too. Newest iPhone update. They can have it, dude. I wish I could turn back time. Oh well, they're it's all that. That's what they do, man. They're trying to, they're trying to throttle your phone, dude. It's terrible. Yep. They they put a young man kissing an old woman on there. No, that's the default. <laughs> it's the default background now. <laughs> Child pornography. Instead of instead of giving you well, this this live stream's getting flagged now. Instead of the U two album, that's just what they give you as the uh, the backdrop on your phone. Um, well, we've survived this one, man. This was probably the worst live stream experience. Yeah, Gizmo got fed after midnight before this one. Yeah. I'm just going to pour a cup of coffee on my keyboard. Probably be a better outcome than what we had tonight. (laughs) Y'all hit like and subscribe if you don't already. And give the premium membership over at dogshq.com a spin. As we have a couple more weeks of spring practice before we wrap things up. And head into, uh, well, the last offseason before Georgia wins its third straight national championship. Y'all have a wonderful week. We will be back on Wednesday here on the Georgia Show, 8.30 p.m. as we are every week. And Bark After Dark, Monday at 9 p.m., uh, coming off the heels of the Brandon Adams episode. I don't know how you guys are going to follow that Actually, one. we're not this week. We're on pause. We're on pause. We're on pause for this Monday. We're, we do not have a show this coming Monday, but we will be back on April 3rd. <laughs> we'll, we'll just show footage of the squirrel in church on a loop. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Appreciate y'all hanging out. For real, though, thanks for sitting through some uh, technical difficulties. We'll get it patched up before the next time we get together. And uh, have a great Bulldog Day, everybody. See you.